Leave me alone, Mom. <laughs> right? Ugh. Cats. Um, Crazy. I mean, it's just giving myself a taste of my own medicine, right? <laughs> um, Okay. Um, welcome to Bookworms, a podcast for and about. Uh, <laughs> I forgot our <laughs> forgot our tagline because it's been two weeks. Um, we took a little hiatus, unplanned, and also unannounced. Um, but I mean, there's only three people who listen to this, so no one cared. We could uh, text kind of hurt them my directly. <laughs> They didn't ask, so I'm That's true. offended. Anyway, this is a podcast about books. We read books, uh, YA books, specifically um, mostly fantasy, sci-fi, YA books. Um, Hayden? Yes? Do you believe in soulmates? This is related to the book, by the way. The book we're reading, we read, was a passenger. It's actually a duology, Passengers and Wayfarer by Alexandra Bracken. Did I make that correct. name up? Yep, okay. Nope. Alexandra Bracken is the right <laughs> name. Um. Yeah. What's your opinion on soulmates? Okay. So, mm, I do believe that there is like. A person in the world who is, like, the best person for you to be with and, like, makes, puts you on, like, the best possible path for your life. But I don't think you, like, compliment, like, I don't think anyone completes you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't right. think... I don't believe in this idea of, like, there's one person out there who is, like, the missing piece to who you are. That's not, like, how human beings work. Um, <laughs> uh, and that's, like, a dangerous mindset to be in. And I also think that, like, there are lots of different people you could be with where it could work. You know? Where, right. like, if you exactly. work hard at it and um, you make choices for and about each other and you, like, put effort in that you could have a good life and a good life together and it would be great. Um, but it just might not be like the best possible relationship you could have, you know? Yeah. So what's your opinion on the theory that people have multiple soulmates Um, that could come into their lives? Is that even a soulmate anymore or just a person you get along with? I think that's just a person. I mean, I think like once you're like, uh, so is that kind of like the idea that like you can have more than one best friend versus right <laughs> you know like um, exactly yeah I guess you could, I think you could have more than one soulmate in like I think like you could have a romantic soulmate and a platonic soulmate and a familial soulmate you know like I believe that like you could have um, I think specific. you're my platonic soulmate. I think you're my platonic soulmate too. Oh, I think you could. Guys, have, she won't like, marry me. I've proposed multiple times. Because <laughs> you're my platonic soulmate. That would <laughs> ruin the platonic part of it. <laughs> so, because you think I'm gross. <laughs> you're right. That's the reason. <laughs> um. Uh. But yeah, like I don't think. I guess if I don't actually believe in soulmates, then I can't really believe in more than one soulmate. But like. Yeah, I think that there's probably one person that's the best person, but you don't and you don't have to end up with that person. You know, like you can end up with someone else and it still be okay. Right. Yeah. So, but in this book, yes. would you say that Nicholas and um Etta <laughs> are soulmates because that seems to be what I'm I'm getting from the book that seems to be the idea is that they have reached each other across time and are meant for each other that sort of thing yeah is that the what you're getting from the book Uh, um I think so I mean like I think so but also like, like 
Oh, sorry. Go ahead. But that I guess the same could be said of like these families, you know, like have all reconnected through time and are drawn to each other across different centuries. And I don't But are they drawn to each other in like a soulmate way or are they drawn to each other because they all have I mean they can be, you know? Yeah. Like I can't time travel, unfortunately. Right. Um, not yet. Uh, <laughs> I can't time travel to the 16th century. But if I could, would I feel like I was drawn to someone in the 16th century because I got along with someone in the 16th century? You know what I mean? Right, yeah. Like, is it is it actually, like, a soul connection? Or is it, like... You are... Circumstance. Yeah, you have these specific circumstances that, you know, are very exceptional circumstances. Right. And exceptional circumstances tend to draw people together. Right. Especially, like, if they have been othered in any way. Exactly. these families have because they're they're killing each other off. (laughs) I don't know. I think this was, like, my my main issue with these books. I actually really enjoyed this series. Yay! Um, yeah. <laughs> Hayden always feels very excited because I'm hypercritical of everything. Um, I'm always nervous. Is Tara going to think this is good? <laughs> I mean, it has a lot of, like, really interesting things happen. And I think it was really right. well written as well. Um, I mean... It didn't change my life, but no. there are very few books that have changed my life. So, right. <laughs> um, but I think that was my biggest thing: is that Etta and Nicholas have this relationship that's immediately so intense, right? And so like deep, and so like it's 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 um explored very intensely, like it's right. um. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it just feels like a lot. It's almost overwhelming, their right. their feelings for each other. And it, it's a lot, considering what's the time span? Of the, I mean, obviously, they're time traveling. But, like, the, the, <laughs> the linear like, actual, time span, yeah, the linear time span of the book is, like, what, like a month? Two months? Something like that. It's not very long. Right. Now it's... Because they only A lot have, more time passes once we get to, like, the second book. But they've already, like... Right had this really intense relationship. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Like, the span of the first book is over, like, four days. Right. Isn't it? Because they have this time, like, frame that they have to do things in. Right. So that's over, like, four days. And that's, like, super intense. And I think that (laughs) book is more intense than the other one when it comes to their, like, relationship stuff. Right, yeah. Except for at the end. Um, Which I I kind of like the end. The second book. Is I like more the second of like, one you, it, Yeah. It's like this more slow build of these mm-hmm. friendships. Yes. Which, you know, I really love friendship. Like, when people right. place importance on friendship in fiction. Um, because I think a lot of the times we put a lot of emphasis on romantic love mm-hmm. and not, um, you know, platonic soulmates. And, <laughs> and it was like, yeah, I mean... And maybe that was intentional. Maybe mm-hmm. we're supposed to just, like, take the relationship, the, like, romantic relationship for granted. And that's why she could immediately go into, like, the heavy, the more heavy-handed romance. I mean, not like right. romance. It's not, like a, it's not a romance novel. Right. Uh, thank God. Um, but she could spend more time. Or maybe she just wanted to spend more time developing the friendships. Yeah. Because um, those were way more interesting relationships, especially because they were friendships right? based in, um, well, let's talk about the, the most important friendship, right? Sophia mm-hmm. and Nicholas. Yeah. Um, Sophia's Sophia the best character. Sophia. Sophia's the best character <laughs> in the book. Okay, so let's do a quick rundown of the characters. Nicholas is a, <laughs> to premise this, we're assuming you've read it. They, they are all time travelers, right? We've yeah. already said that. So, um, Nicholas is a 
When when is he born? Seventeenth century. Mm. His, when's his natural timeline? Eighteenth century. He's eighteenth century. Yeah, he's. We meet him but, in seventeen seventy six. Yeah, there's like a time base, like uh, in the seventeenth century. Like they they keep coming back to that time. Is like that's where the story starts and all of that. Well, the story starts in the twenty first century, but you know, right. they, <laughs> um, it quickly moves into the seventeenth as soon as the time traveling starts. But he's 18th century and was born a slave. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a bastard. He is the uh, son of, like, the head time traveler dude. Um, or the grandson no, of the, the head yeah, time Yeah, you're traveler. right. He's not the... No, the son. No, his... Um, the, it's... He's the, like, patriarch's oldest son's son. Right. Oh, I thought you were saying that he was the son of the grandson. No. <laughs> um, family relationships get very complicated when yes. you're time traveling. Uh, <laughs> everything gets really complicated when you're time. I felt like they did the the. It was. It made sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. I that feel like um, time traveling narratives tend to get pretty convoluted. Yeah. You know what I mean. But and that so like time was, still passed linearly. Right, within... Yeah, within. While they were jumping from... Because, like, the times that they traveled to were more settings than they were, like... Right. The story was linear, but um, the settings changed in time mm-hmm. period. Um, anyway, so he's born a slave. Um, he is treated as a slave uh, for yeah. most of his life until he runs away and he becomes a... Ship captain, basically a pirate, um, yeah. a legal pirate, but a, a pirate. privateer. Um, and then we have Sophia, who we find out we initially see her as a very, very spoiled, um, like horrible, mean, cruel. Like she's a part of this terrible family in the like the worst family in the time travel, the family tree. <laughs> um, <laughs> They're the ones who are basically taking over all the other families, right? Yeah, and um, they're shaping history um, to make for their own money. Yeah, and benefit. To, yeah, give themselves power. Um, and so we see her as part of that, like really heavily leading into the the cruelty of that family, and then we find out that. I mean, she's almost as much a slave, if not as much a slave, as Nicholas, just in a different context. You know right. what I mean? She, her natural period is the 19th century, right? Uh, or 19, I, early 1900s? I don't remember when her natural period was, but she is not, she is forbidden to travel right. past she a certain can't, date. Yeah, the, her natural period. Yeah, well, um, she, yes, because she because women get rights like yeah, at the exactly. end of her natural time period and um, so she's as a woman to travel in there. this in this in the 1700s she has zero rights to her name. Um she has been afforded no respect by this family that she's trying desperately to be a part of. Um but the reason she's trying to be a part of it is because she has no authority. Mm-hmm. Um and that's all she really wants is autonomy over her own life. Right. And she has none. I mean, like, her options are be a footmat for um, this tyrant or, you know, be forced to sell herself um, on the streets in the 1700s, which... Uh, not exactly a long lifespan in this profession. No, not at all. Um, and so, I mean, that's something you find out along the way. She has a lot of disdain for Nicholas at the beginning, but it's out of the way she protects herself. Mm-hmm. Um, because Nicholas and Sophia have similar circumstances, they find out later on. But... They protect themselves in other ways. Um, I mean, Nicholas is black, but he's a man. Um, right. So he can, and he's technically a free man. He has his papers. 
So he can run away and be a sea captain, and he's fine. Um, I mean, obviously, there's still racism. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> that's not going to change. Right. Um, but he Which I was worried... There's, like, less racism on the sea. <laughs> right. Than there is. If anyone's racist towards you, you can just stab them. Right. <laughs> it's fine. Um, I was a little worried that they were going to... That they were placing the 21st century as, like, uh, um, like... This ideal yeah. paradise, yeah. <laughs> but they do explicitly say, like, hey, it's not great, but it's but a it, lot better than the 1700s. Um, you're not going to be a slave. Um, and, but Sophia has to protect herself in a completely different way as a woman. Um, she has to learn to manipulate people and her situation and... Um, become very hard and, like, I don't know, immune to all the horrible things that people say about her. Yeah. Um, or to, like, try and counter them or, like, preempt them, really. Um, she preempts any sort of pain by being cruel, I right. think, is the way she deals with things. Oh, definitely. Um, she inflicts pain in order to avoid having it inflicted on her um i don't know she's just my favorite character she's really interesting right uh oh, her situation so i think is even more interesting than nicholas's i mean probably because i am not a black man right um, <laughs> i can't relate in the way that i can relate to a woman having to manipulate herself or manipulate others in order to um, gain autonomy and gain authority. Obviously, I don't have it as bad as, like, someone in the 17th century, but I know enough right. about women's history to know how shitty it was. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, she has an eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she loses an eye so cool. at the end of the first book. And she's um, got a cool eye patch. But yeah, so their friendship is a real slow build. Um, oh, yeah. They hate each other for a very long time. Yeah. I don't think she even calls him by his name for the entire first book. She just calls him Bastard the entire time. <laughs> right. Um, so, not the best of friends, but they <laughs> learn to trust each other because they both have trust issues, understandably. Right. Um, they both have issues opening up to people, understandably. So, yeah, I think theirs is the coolest friendship. It definitely is. That's my favorite. And I, um, going back to what you said about um, it seems, like, intentional that we get a lot more um, kind of determined focus and, like, slow-building focus on friendships. Uh, I definitely think there is a... Um, comic-con panel or like a book convention panel <laughs> of um a bunch of different authors who have been kind of billed as part of the um this like new wave of YA that is a lot more driven by women um and focused on empowering women through the characters in YA um and they, the whole panel is about how awesome female friendship is. It's just really good. <laughs> um, and if anyone's interested in that, you should go listen to it. But, like, the author, and she is part of that panel, as well as um, Sarah J. Mass, who we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I think that there's an understanding um, from at least that kind of, like, cohort <laughs> of... Um, women writing books for young women um, that friendship is so important and so undersold in media mm -hmm. uh, and that the friend the relationships like the romantic relationships you have when you are a teen are 
nothing. Like <laughs> they're insubstantial <Right>. and <laughs> yeah. they don't mean anything. But the friendships that you build during that time are so important and so formative. And not that romantic relationships can't be formative, um, but they're usually formative in that way where you go, oh, I've now learned. Right. I've learned from my mistakes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Made a mistake and this is bad. Um, But your friendships, you get a lot more of that, like, positively reinforced Mm -hmm. (laughs) formation of who you are and what you believe and what you value. Um, And I think, yeah. It's really important, and I really like it. (laughs) It's good stuff. I think it's interesting. We don't see a lot of... I mean, in this book series, there's not a whole lot of um, friendships. Well, I mean, there is. It's the the two groups that are traveling together. We've got Nicholas and Sophia, Mm -hmm. so male and female. And then we've got um, Etta, and sometimes she's traveling. I mean, she does travel a bit with Sophia. Well, no, she hates Sophia. Um, Etta travels with Nicholas for a large part of this. Etta travels with her father. Etta mm-hmm. travels with um, herself. Um, right. Etta and Sophia don't really build a friendship together, but I think they build an understanding of each other separately. You know what I mean? Right. And like I think... through... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, um, before Etta even really spends... Even before Nicholas kind of gets this sense of who Sophia is, Etta does get... Before she... Yeah. Um, there, there's a part in the beginning, because Sophia's the one that, like, brings Etta into time traveling, and so they're together for the beginning part of the first book, because... Sophia is kind of like teaching her the ways not to get killed, essentially, as a time right. traveler, <laughs> um, and is fairly mean to her. But Edda's, as a woman, is able to see through mm-hmm. why this is the situation um, and learns a little bit more about Sophia's background, and it, um, I think, has a lot more sympathy for Sophia even from the beginning. Uh, True. That Nicholas ever did um, until he got to spend that one-on-one time with her. So I think yeah. there's Nicoly, a little bit... Nicoly. <laughs> Nicoly. <laughs> uh, Nicholas doesn't have a lot of sympathy for anyone. Um, right. <laughs> including himself. Um, oh, yeah. And, yeah. So I think Etta and Sophia kind of build a very... A friendship without being friends. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, they... they gain a mutual understanding, um, both from that initial encounter where uh, Etta's kind of seeing through Sophia's shield and Sophia's kind of seeing what she's made of, you know, mm-hmm. what Etta, that Etta is very strong and determined and, like, has a grudging respect for that, but then also spending time with people who have spent a lot of time with the other. You know what I mean? Like, Sophia spends a lot of time with Nicholas, who is in love with Etta, so obviously has a a positive uh, (laughs) viewpoint of her. So, like, I think Sophia hearing about Etta from Nicholas's point of view, and then, like, um, Etta hearing about Sophia's life from... um, Oh, what's his name? Julian? Julian, I was gonna say Dorian, <laughs> different book series. Um, he is kind of a Dorian, great. Yeah, he, uh, he kind he's of very is. pompous. Um, but yeah, from from Julian, who is um, who has basically faked his death, um, and he's so Julian, terrible. I love him. I he mean, he's is great, so but like, self-centered. He has no idea. He the impact he's having on anyone at no. any time. <laughs> he's just completely oblivious. He's like self-centered, but not in a malicious way. Like he right. just—he's too self-centered to understand that he's being self-centered. Exactly. <laughs> he just has no idea. Um, he just wants to not get murdered and have a good time, um, which really is all we all wanted to. Right. Um, I sympathize. But Julian. In in this relationship dynamic, Julian is Nicholas's half brother, mm-hmm. and Julian is Sophia's former 
they were engaged um, before before he faked his death, <laughs> which pisses off Sophia because Sophia doesn't actually love him. They're friends. They're mm-hmm. good friends because they, they understand they do each other. Love situation. each other like they they have a very right. deep affection for one another. Yeah, they're very close. Yeah, but. Sophia really wants to marry him because that would give her some authority that would put her in line to be at least the wife of the heir to the throne. Um, which, considering how like self-centered Julian is, would mean she was basically running the show. Because um, <laughs> yeah. he has no desire to be running the show. Um, um, which brings us to another point. Sophia does not love Julian because Sophia's gay. Yeah. She is only into women, um, <laughs> which is exciting. I love seeing queer representation in in media. That's not, you know, like like we were saying in the other one, not all about them being um, queer. Like, man, YA is doing a much better job than, like, Anyone else. Than anyone else. <laughs> yeah. I did not realize this. Um, <laughs> if you want some queer representation, start reading YA. Um, yeah, so we find out later on, like, that is also adding to not only is she a woman from the 1900s, um, having to live in the 17th century. But she's also a queer woman living in the 17th century. <laughs> right. Um, so that's another added, like, history is not kind to the queer. Um, <laughs> it, it never has been. Um, so that's just kind of an added, like, Nicholas can't hide that he's black. Um, Sophia, fortunately, can hide that she's gay. But... I mean, that's that's an added, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, add, yeah, having added, to hide that is an additional, right. like, weight on your shoulders. Exactly. You know, and, and understanding that, like, um, like, Nicholas can't change that he's black, but also, like, he knows up front how someone feels about him being black. Like, they either care or right. they don't care. But, like, so... Sophia has to hide the fact that she's gay and she has to know that like she can never because like Nicholas can't ever not be black um, right so he's always she, going to know what that reaction is going to be and she right can't ever Sophia risk revealing that because she doesn't know yeah. what it's going to be so she knows that there is um, she could there could be a woman who loves her but she could never do anything about it right um so it's complicated but she does find a girlfriend well I mean they're not girlfriends but basically they're girlfriends um later in the book that's not their relationship isn't a huge um part of this as much as uh as much as it is a catalyst for revealing more of her character you know what I mean like they have a relationship yeah but it's more about understanding a little Sophia, bit more about and also Sophia. seeing a softer side to Sophia. Yeah. Um, because you don't see that very often. And also seeing Sophia get hurt because <laughs> yeah. she hides her pain um, so much. And um, towards the end of the book, something happens that causes her to feel betrayed by... Is it Min Lee or Lee Min? Lee Min. Lee Min. Um, yeah, so she, who's also a very interesting character. That's something that is yeah, great about this book. She's all the characters a cool are very Chinese well developed. Lady pirate, and I love it. Yes, <laughs> um, but she also has this like crazy backstory, um, and you know she has to deal with that stuff herself. I mean, she has to deal with all of those things. Not only is she not white, um, mm-hmm. she is also queer. She's also a woman, like. And she's also comes from this, like, crazy background right. um, where she's being hunted down because she's basically a trained assassin and uh, ran away from being a trained assassin. Um, <laughs> That's a bad place to run away from. If, right? If you're going to have to run away if from If you've got a whole horde of assassins <laughs> yeah. that are not only 
I'm not only are they assassins, they're better trained than her because she ran out during her training. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So there's a lot of like really interesting stories um, weaving and a lot of historical content being weaved in. Um, I mean, not just historical like events because there is interesting discussion of like you know, how one thing changing in history affects a lot of other things. Mm -hmm. Um, But also, like, how society in history has affected people living in that history. Right. And I think having... So, Etta, uh, Nicholas's lady love, is Mm -hmm. a white, straight woman from the 21st century. Um, right. who all of a sudden is thrust into... She has had no idea that she can time travel. Most um, people born into these families that have the ability to travel uh, learn about it, are, like, raised and trained from birth, knowing how to do it, and she has not uh, been trained. And so she is, like, all of a sudden thrust into... Uh, these parts of the past that she's only ever, you know, read about in history books. And not only is she thrust into them um, kind of unexpectedly, she's also having to um, experience them with these people who are being um, oppressed by these Uh historical times. And so she's not only getting her experience in those times that she's never had to deal with. Like, she's not only a woman in the 1700s. Now she's a woman in the 1700s with a black man. And she's Mm -hmm. having to see how that experience is different for those people um, who don't have the same privileges that she has. Um, And I think that's such a great way to um, kind of contrast those experiences because like there's a a time when they're in um london during is it world war the blitz yes uh during the blitz and um world war ii yes world war ii and she is walking around um and all of a sudden realizes nicholas is walking um a distance behind her And she's kind of confused about why he's there. And then she starts reading the faces of the people who are watching them Mm -hmm. walk together. And she's never had to see those looks before. You know, they were happening the whole time they were walking. And she didn't have to realize them until she looks at it from Nicholas's point of view. Um, And I think getting both of those, getting... Because you get narration from Nicholas and from Etta. And I think getting mm-hmm. both of those perspectives um, is really enlightening uh, to people like me who live a very pri- privileged life and don't have to experience uh, people looking at me a certain way or expecting me to be a certain way uh, because of the color of my skin or my sexual orientation, just because of my genitals, uh, which, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Is right. only one out of the many possibilities. Yes. Um, I mean, there's another scene where the same thing sorts of, sort of happens, but it's the 17th century, mm-hmm. where he um, is walking behind her because then everyone will just assume that he's a slave, that he's her slave. Right. And therefore, they can go through without anyone questioning them. Um, he can't walk beside her or walk with her or walk in front of her even. Because despite the fact that he is free, he is technically free, um, it still would cause a a kerfuffle um, in the streets. (laughs) And I think those explorations Um, of, like, not even how, like, culturally he has to move through the societies they're in, but, like, physically he has yeah. to move through the societies are in is a very interesting um, like 
perspective on that that you don't typically see. It's not like people are, like, shouting slurs at him throughout the book, you know? No. It's people... He is very aware yeah, of the ways in which he has to move in order to not draw negative attention toward himself. Exactly. Because nobody... I mean, there aren't really any scenes in the book where he is treated as a slave. You know what right. I mean? Like, we don't see those parts of his life, but we see the way he has had to change the way that he behaves because of those things. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he has to preempt them by... Yes. Moving differently in the world. Yeah. Um, it's very obvious he's had those experiences before and has had he's been responsible for changing his behavior and his reactions rather than gross racist people being responsible for changing right. their behavior or their actions. Exactly. Also, I think the fact that the Edda, the main character that we follow, I mean, obviously there are multiple like narrators throughout mm-hmm. the story, but having Etta be the main like protagonist is, um, I think, important in in that she is like cis and white and uh, straight and all of that, right? Um, because that is our window in. Like, obviously, not everyone reading it is also going to be straight and white and cis, but like. That's the default. Right. That's the default. You know, that's the default lens. Yeah. Um, that media uses is that we're seeing the world from the point of a straight white person's um, point of view, and so having her be our initial lens into mm-hmm. these different time periods is uh, a way to kind of ease the reader in. And also recognize how, how like, different, how, like, startlingly, uh, like, different it is from the time period that she lives in. Right. Um, and also she, she explicitly recognizes that, like, reading about something in history is not the same as, like, having to experience it, you know? Yes. Um. You know, she she's read about slavery and she's read about the way women are treated, but it being there and being treated as a woman in the 17th century or, you know, being in love with a man who's treated as a black woman. In, I mean, a black, not as a black <laughs> woman, um, as a black man in the uh, 17th century or any of the centuries, really, right. um, is, is, is good. Yeah. She did a good job. Yeah. Because I think, and I think it's, because um, I think that could have been done very poorly if, like, oh, yeah. Etta, Absolutely. If Etta was, like, this ignorant person who now she's met a black person and they have introduced her to the ways in which the world is different for the very first time, um, I think would have been not good at all but like no. she's not an ignorant person she is like no she, she's as educated as as we are exactly know? she is a person like you or I who does it who there are certain um oppressions and stigmas that we don't have to face certain privileges that are afforded to us and we try to educate ourselves as much as possible but, but we can't experience those things mm-hmm. and I think that that is because that is who Etta is that's why it works that she is being affected by these different things that she's seeing while she's traveling through time with uh, her black boyfriend. Um, because if she if she had been completely ignorant, it would have just been this hokey thing. Yeah. And it would have made Nicholas more of... Um, just this tool for educating a white woman. Um, right, exactly. And he's not. He's his yeah. own person. Right. Yeah, it could have very easily turned into, oh, Etta learns about the world thanks to these little puppets in her show. You right, know? exactly. But it's not. They're full-fledged characters. Um, so, yeah, it's really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, what was I about to say about that? I don't know. I have so many things to say about this book. <laughs> so um, good. Maybe we should shift to talking about, like, family. No, I had something to say about Nicholas. 
I don't know. He was so self-righteous. Um, <laughs> which drove me crazy. But I think that was also part of how he and Sophia, in, in like their different ways of dealing with the world. Like, right. Um, because Nicholas was dealing with literally black and white. Um, yeah. He began to see the world in a very black and white way. Like, this is right, this is wrong. Right. And Sophia's world is all gray. It's all manipulation. It's all, like, right. uh, you know, portraying herself a certain way to hide who she really is, that sort of thing. Right. So, I mean, it made sense it for the character is. to be incredibly self-righteous, but it also drove me insane. <laughs> but it's also, <laughs> so definitely like, more of a Sophia than a necklace. Um he would have been held to such a higher standard for such little reward. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. he has to be always doing the right thing or else he is a target, you know? And even when he is doing the right thing, he is a target. Yeah, he's still a target. So he's minimizing the size of the target. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But... I mean, Sophia's doing the same thing, but right. she does it differently. It's by illusions. Right. Um, and, like, you know. Um, let's talk about family. Okay. Because <laughs> that's complicated. Um, <laughs> yes. Mostly, I mean, it would be way too complicated to go into the politics of these families. Uh, there's a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I think mostly the relationship between, um, oh, that's what that, oh, sorry. I had a note in my phone and I was like, that's a really interesting topic. I have no idea what I was talking about when I wrote this down, (laughs) but now I remember. Um, but we'll get to it in a minute. Uh, the relationship between Etta and her father and her mother and her Mm. parents' relationship to each other. Right. Um, because Etta is raised by her mother as a single mother. Um, who's very cold and distant and doesn't meet her father until she's time traveling and he is, you know, warming, warm and loving and like cares about her and pays attention to her. And like, I think there's really interesting, if, I don't talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to talk about, so this is the part that you didn't necessarily like, but that I enjoyed um, the epilogue of the second book and the series as a whole. Um, okay, I don't want to get to that point yet. Okay. That's something I, I have... Well, no, we'll go there first. Okay, okay. go ahead. Um, so, you're talking about, like, um, so, Etta ha- didn't have this, like, nurturing, supportive figure in her life. Um, because she was raised by this mother who, um, was very distant. And she was very distant for, um... For Etta's protection. Yes. She was trying to keep Etta safe. She also, um, because we're dealing with time travel here, she knew she couldn't give Etta, um, too much information about her life or the things that she she knew Etta needed to do in the future, wouldn't happen. Right. Um, Because as a child, her mother, Rose, is that her name? mm -hmm. Rose is, is, um, uh, meets this, this man, this person, um, who tells her the future. Um, because I think there's like a certain point that they can't, do they travel into the future? I don't think, think they do. So. Well, because they don't seem to know. All of the rest of the time travelers, except for Rose, and then eventually um, the like evil family figures it out, they don't know about the 21st century. That that has been like, there haven't been any doors to mm. that part of time before. Um, and it's kind of this mystery how Rose was able to get there. Um, and then they eventually are able to find the one path that leads there. But so, like, I think 
there there has to be limitations on like where things lead because I don't know I think it in order for there to be a path from a certain point in the future to the past wouldn't the person in the future have to make the path this is all speculation this they don't go into this much <laughs> detail so like maybe nothing past the 21st century has happened yet right like is there a linear time you know is there like right. a linear time frame that they're moving in circles around right and like it has to reach this right this point on the line in order for them to move in circles around you know what i mean like, yeah that's what how is I time travel of, right is i know question. this this time um, travel is written very well but i think mm-hmm. all time travel in any kind of media when once you get to a certain point where it has to fall apart because right. <laughs> okay we Here's don't understand time. time okay ready this mm-hmm. is my grand theory about how time works. Okay. And it's going to be in one very <laughs> crazy extended metaphor. Okay. Okay. So, imagine you're at a ballet, mm-hmm. right? So, these ballerinas are doing this, like, intricate, emotional, complicated dance across this huge stage mm-hmm. in, this, um, in this theater, but you're sitting in the front row and you're not moving your head. So you're seeing like a foot wide section of the stage. So right. you're only seeing the parts of the dance as they cross that small section of the stage. Okay. So there's all this other time happening, but because we're seeing things in a very like linear, like literally straight ahead of us, aligned directly in front of us onto the stage, we're not seeing all these intricate steps that are happening mm. in the other parts of the stage. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Because we're not sitting in the, in the balcony. We can't <laughs> see the whole stage from where we're sitting. Gotcha. <laughs> Who's sitting in the balcony, Tara? <laughs> uh, a cat. <laughs> Cats know all. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Who's sitting in the balcony? I don't know. I don't know if that's actually how time works. I'm just That's like, my idea of how time works. I think yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, my idea is as good as anyone else's, right? Right. It's not like anybody knows. Mine's at least a pretty metaphor. It's beautiful. <laughs> I like it a lot. I also um, am, like, imagining, though... If ballerinas are like doing a very intricate dance, but it's a, but it's very slowly, your foot would get so cramped up. You know when you like move your foot too slowly into one position and it cramps. Mm. Well, I mean, ballerinas' feet are pretty much destroyed. Right, um, they can't even feel it anymore. All those nerves right, are dead. Like they've lost all of their toenails. Like. <laughs> They're, they're constantly bleeding and, like, their entire foot's bruised and, like, <laughs> they don't notice because they're in the dance. Right. Um, but they that's life, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we may be constantly in pain, but we're in the dance. Uh, except we're not. I thought we were in the dance. We're watching. <laughs> we're life, the audience. Life is the dance. <laughs> We're in the audience. I'm pretty We're sure I'm a ballerina. <laughs> Maybe you're in the audience. <laughs> I'm the stagehand. <laughs> Off to one side. I'm the one dressed in all in black who moves the like paper cutouts in the background. Perfect. <laughs> it worked when I thought of it as I was falling asleep, okay? It worked <laughs> as a metaphor. <laughs> I think it's a beautiful metaphor. But yeah, until you screw it up. <laughs> you came in and punched holes in it. Well, there um, are no metaphors about how time works that don't have holes in them. So that one's a pretty and a good one. A pretty one and a good one. Yeah. I mean, where's my Nobel Prize? I don't know what the <laughs> Nobel Prize would be in. Metaphors. <laughs> in metaphors. <laughs> um, Love it. Anyway, so Rose <laughs> Rose receives a visitor who tells her that the future will be 
horrible will be hellfire unless a certain series of events happens. Mm -hmm. And in order for this certain series of events to happen, she has to manipulate her daughter into doing certain things. And, um, and part of that involves not telling her, uh, anything, which makes her very cold and distance because how are you supposed to relate to someone? How are you supposed to connect with someone when you can't tell them anything? Exactly. And also, like, she has this, like, practical reason why she can't be close to her daughter. But she Mm -hmm. also has lived her entire life knowing that this thing, this big heavy thing exists and is true and everyone thinks she's crazy. Yeah, that's what my note was about. (laughs) (laughs) That I couldn't figure out. It says tendency to not believe women and the effect that that has on them. Because, like, I mean, she ultimately, like, kind of loses it. Um, Yeah. Because because she tells people about this and nobody believes her. Right. And so, like, how do you not go a little bit crazy when from... Because she's, like, tiny when this happens. She's a little kid. Yeah, she's like eight. From that time, people tell her over and over and over again, you are crazy, you are crazy, you are crazy. Um, Which is why I like the the epilogue. Because... I do... Okay, see, my issue was not with the epilogue. It was with the logistics of time travel. Okay, gotcha. (laughs) But you know what I mean? Yes. Go ahead, and I'll explain why I had... Yeah. (laughs) Um, So... Like, Etta has lived her whole life having this very distant mom. Then she um, meets her dad, who genuinely cares about her and has interest in her. And for the first time, she, like, truly understands what she missed out on. Um, Mm -hmm. What by not her mother not being that way. And that, you know, fuels a lot of anger in her. And also her father believes that her mom is crazy because she believes yeah. in this thing and so tells her and her father genuinely believes that like she's being like her mother he tells her that her mother is manipulating her because of some crazy reason right you know and so Edda just understands that she's been manipulated she doesn't understand the nuances of it and so yeah so she gets this father figure who's like loving and kind and she's like my mother was never that way right not only was she never not that way she has been using me yeah she's essentially ruined my life for this thing that doesn't that isn't true um right and then over the course of you know the events of the book she finds out this it was true, um, mm-hmm. and that her mother was, you know, loving her in the only way she knew how, and out of these specific, very terrible circumstances. Um, and so at the very end, the epilogue is Etta goes to see eight year old Rose. Um, and she, Rose has, like, has she, like, made paintings of the man who... Yeah. So she's, like... Because her mother's an artist. Rose is an artist. Yes. Um, and so she has been, you know, obsessed with this terrifying man who told her the world was going to end. And he didn't just tell her, like, the world's going to end. He showed her visions of, like, the worst kind of human destruction, which, you know, uh-huh. is kind of traumatizing <laughs> for an eight-year-old. Yeah, year especially old. for an eight-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so Etta goes to see her. And I forget, does she, like, tell her that she, that she's not crazy, that this really happened? Or does she just, you she know... She says, it's all going to be okay. Yeah. You know, like, you don't have to worry because everything's going to be fine. Yeah. Um I thought that was a beautiful scene. It just made me worried about the implications of, like, <laughs> right, how that would change happen. the entire course of, like, of history like, from that point. <laughs> right. Because, like, she's, I mean, in this series, I think that's uh, a key difference in this time travel series versus, like, other ones, mm-hmm. is that 
the time travelers themselves are not really affected by yes. changes in history. You know what I mean? Like the time period that they're from is affected and like they may be orphaned by their time period as in the time period that they grew up in will no longer exist, but they're not going to like erase their own existence. You yeah. know what I mean? And I think that's where it gets kind of complicated in the... right. And there's also, so the thing that I think, like, isn't a cop-out, but it's like, this makes sense, and this is really the only way that time travel can make sense, is that there's this understanding that the timeline always tries to self-correct. Correct itself, yeah. Yeah. Um, And so the timeline tries to save as much of itself as it can when any kind of change happens, and sometimes... It can't save a part of history or, a part, you know, it, it can't save a particular event or a particular people, but it tries to preserve as much of itself as possible. Um, and so I think that's why they can move with a little bit more freedom. Because also, they can't exist in the same timeline as themselves. Yes. Um, it, it doesn't allow them to. Like, if they try to go into the same period where they already exist... It just bops them right back yeah, out. pushes them right out. Throws them out no. on their butt, like a little Julian. <laughs> um, which I think is helpful in the sense that they can't just go to themselves and be like, hey, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> here's how you got to do things to make things work. <laughs> like, you can't go back and just, like, fix your own mistakes. Right. Um, which I think is true in any, like... Right. Yeah. That would... Yeah. I think trying to fix your own mistakes would just fuck them up more, you know? Oh, so, definitely. <laughs> it's it's good. It helps the storyline, but also prevents it from being as convoluted as other ones. It, you know, you're not having to avoid yourself, really. Right, um, yeah. But, um, yeah, the effect of, like, because not only does no one believe, like, she also undergoes a lot of other traumas. Like, she watches her parents get murdered. Right. Um, she sees it. And so not only does, like, that's a horrible trauma, but, like, she sees that and also feels like it's her responsibility to save the world. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Because, like, I mean, Ed is the one who's technically supposed to be doing the the thing that saves the world but it's Rose's responsibility to make it happen yes it all Ed Um, is this kind of ignorant participant yeah Ed is the tool all of Rose's like machinations and yeah that's a lot of pressure that's a lot on someone and also like the person that she loves like I think that's the hardest part is that like no one in her family and then also the guy she falls in love with, her husband, the father of of Etta, like, he doesn't believe her. Yeah. Um, and he's a very kind, generous person, but... I know. I was all prepared for him to, like, be putting on an act this whole time. And so it was I. I was like... Guy. Nope. There's this point in the series where you're like, I don't know who the bad guy is right now. And it was so good. Yeah. Because you see... <laughs> Um, her mother, you, you, you don't know her whole story. You know that she's manipulating her and then you see her father and you like, don't trust it. I think in the same way that like, Etta probably doesn't trust it at first because like, she's never had a parent treat her the way, you know, that he treats her. Right. He's like too nice to her and she's (laughs) a little unsure of that. Yeah. But also... The main villain of the course, this, like, patriarch of the family that's, like, manipulating time and is, like, you know, that Mm -hmm. they're all working against. They're all, like, I mean, we find out that the whole reason, all he wants is his wife back. Right. He, his wife died because of this, this crazy millennia-long feud in their family. And all he wants is her back. Which, like, makes him the villain in this story, but, I mean, if the story was told another way, he'd be a romantic hero, you know? Right. Like, and also, like, you find out toward almost the very end, he is such a small player oh, compared absolutely. to these, like, powerhouse 
manipulators of time who have existed for eons. Yeah, exactly. Um, he seems to be the, like, the central, like, all-powerful villain at the beginning. And then you realize, like, everyone's just a tiny speck. Right. By the end, he is so, like, pitiful. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah, you do. You absolutely pity him by the end because he's just desperate and as much power and authority as you think he has at the beginning, he's, like, completely powerless by the end. And not because of any, like, action. Like, nobody takes his power away from him, but you just kind of crack through that facade and just see a lonely, pathetic old man who wants something and And doesn't become crazed in his search for it right and and has you know is so focused on getting this person back in his life that he has no regard for anyone else's life in the meantime um so that's really interesting yeah um also we're we're at an hour but i want to keep talking so let's um this will be the end of this episode yeah um You'll find us on uh, social media. We have a Twitter. Um, <laughs> bookworms underscore I don't remember pod. how to end it either. <laughs> yeah, bookworms underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram, where we don't post. Bookworms um, pod, no underscore, at Gmail for emails dot com. and stuff. That's our email. Um, <laughs> we're on SoundCloud and iTunes. Rate us and review us, or we'll punch you in the gut. <laughs> Um, don't worry, we're not very strong. <laughs> no, I don't work out very often. Hayden, <laughs> um, hey, send us out of this episode. Thank you for listening to the podcast for the first time in a little bit. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.